Hey everybody, the Sly Dog popping in here at the top. So you're going to notice with this episode that I recorded with Mr. Jeff Harris, uh, we had some audio issues during the recording of the Vanity 6 part of the review. Um, I apologize, I'm going to do my best to clean this up for you. Um, so if it seems a little choppy or if the Vanity 6 part of this discussion seems a bit short, that's why. But other than that, I had a great time talking to Jeff. You should check out uh, his blog, Behind the Grooves. If you haven't, follow the Facebook page. Uh, find the blog online. It's really good stuff. Uh, thanks again to Jeff for coming on. And anyways, hit the music. Welcome back to the Sly Dog Music Cast. I'm your host, Sly Dog, and welcome to the first episode of our little Prince Month that we do every year. Um, so this year we're doing something different. We're covering a specific era. We're covering the Triple Threat era, as it's known, where we're going to cover Vanity Six. What time is it? In 1999. And we're starting with Vanity Six and what time is it today? And joining me, I have, he's been up so long, he walked a hole in the Stacey Adams, Mr. Jeff Harris. Jeff, how are you Literally. doing? I'm <laughs> great, Al. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm excited to have you here. It's funny. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, you were part of when I first d- discovered Prince's music, actually, because I didn't start listening to Prince until 2017. And my exposure was really the Pots and Saws Network doing that Prince album by album. Oh, okay. Great. So, you As a matter of fact, I'm just happening to notice it's like your t-shirt. It's like I haven't, I'm seeing uh, oh. Mr. Morris Day. It's yep. like on there. It's like, it's like, so I'm just, all I consider that is yes. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So we're here to talk some uh, Prince Protege products uh, projects. Um, we've got Vanity Six and the album by the time, what time is it? So uh, we're going to kind of go through the histories, the era, and then go track by track on each album, kind of starting with Vanity Six here. Um, so I've been told you're quite knowledgeable on this era of Prince and his side well, projects. Yes, so. I mean, this, this is definitely like in the time it's like we're, you know, uh, excuse me, it's like uh, play on, a play on words, as, as uh, Morris would say. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like this was like, you know, I was in high school, like when these oh, wow. albums came out. So it's like, you know, that these are definitely very near and dear to me. It's like I, can def- I consider them kind of part of my life soundtrack, really, because, you know, I have, you know, you know that these were very much a part. These albums were very much a part of my life during that time, and and still today, because they're so great R and B records. They are. So were you? So were you anticipating the release of these, or are these ones you kind of had to con- like discover after they'd been released already? Well, you know, because the time had already released, you know, their first album a little bit over a year before that. You know, the Vanity Six thing was really kind of out of left field because, again, you know that. Uh, Prince had, I guess, a deal with Warner Brothers where it's like, you know, that he could bring, you know, other artists into the mix. And plus, you know, he was looking for a, uh, you know, another outlet for his prolific output. So it's like, you know, that that was the reason why, you know, he put the time together and eventually, you know, Vanity Six, which, of course, you know, we'll get into, you know, the, the history of, you know, how those bands came together. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll start with uh, we'll start with Vanity Six here because we're going to go in order of release. Uh, Vanity Six was released first of the two albums, August eleventh, nineteen eighty two. Um, this project kind of started life around the controversy area, as 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 far as I understand, it was originally going to be called the Hookers, and there was a different girl that was kind of playing the leader. There wasn't a Vanity, there was someone else, but that kind of fell apart. From what, from what I understood, and then it was kind of revisited after the controversy tour after Prince had met Vanity. Yes, because actually what basically what that was going to be was uh, the hookers was, you know, like a concept that Prince came up for a girl group. And that one of the main people that was going to be behind that was uh, a lady by the name of Jamie Shoup, who coincidentally was Prince's personal assistant, actually, at the time. And that... Uh, one of the other people that's like that was going to be involved in that too is also Susan Moonsey, who is, uh, of course, you know, was actually Prince's high school girlfriend, and uh, somehow, like in the in uh, in all of this too, it's like that eventually. I think it was either because I, I think that uh, Jill Jones was like you know start was in the you know kind of was in the in the Prince circle by this time, and she was kind of originally going to be part of that, I believe, or. And the other person that's like that came aboard was Brenda Bennett, you know, who incidentally yeah. uh, was like the wife of uh, Prince's uh, set designer Roy Bennett. So that that was that was originally kind of what the uh, what the hookers was going to be, but you know, like I said, that didn't uh, really gel and come together, you know, before you know they started to before Prince actually started to write songs for them. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I, w I wonder if anything ever got recorded, like, before, like, you know, as the hookers, was anything ever, like, laid down? Because there was some stuff that was, like, talked about before the controversy tour, but we don't know if that stuff exists, basically. Yeah, there, there may be stuff that maybe exists in demo form that we haven't seen or, or heard of, but more than likely, it's like, I think that the bulk of that project actually was really you know, conceived and formed like, you know, really kind of during the time that uh, he was both working when he was working on 1999 and on the time second album. And, and of course, on 1999, it was just like all of those particular projects. It's like, you know, came out of that era. Yeah. Yeah. It was all kind of close together. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there were three tracks I was able to find titles for at least that, um, were considered but never made the record one i've never heard two i've heard prince's version of one's called pizza and then there's i need a man and jealous girl which we heard on the sign of the times box set so there, exactly. there was some there was some stuff left here and then there was some stuff that was uh demoed for the second vanity six album that we've heard yes exactly it's like one that uh of course you know never came to pass it's like an actually and then you know that by that time, it's like, you know, that, uh, you know, Vanity was out of the picture. It's like, and he was, you know, at work on Purple Rain and, and of course, came up with, uh, you know, with Apollonia 6. But that's getting a little bit ahead of the story. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you mentioned, like, he was kind of trying to put together this dirty girl group, you could say. And they were the first on the bill of the Triple Threat Tour, which was, you know, Prince, The Time, and Vanity 6. Exactly. Which is really cool. Um, I've watched a bunch of footage of them this week in preparation, and it it really is an interesting thing. And the time, of course, is like they're right behind that pink curtain, backing them up. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it sounds so cool too because um, 
one thing I noticed is that those live versions kind of in comparison to the record, the record is very, very synthetic, very electronic based. That stuff is funky live. Like the, the time really like gave it a different energy. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like that, that was the other thing too. It's like, you know, that the time, even though like Prince had basically kind of just, you know, conceived them as, uh, like I said, a conduit for his, you know, additional, you know, songwriting output right. that, uh, you know, the guys that were, you know, that were in that band, it's like, were such, you know, excellent and accomplished musicians. It's like, you know, Prince literally, you know, it was, you know, kind of, he kind of, they kind of made Prince sweat because, you know, that they were giving him a run for his money on stage, like every night because they were that good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He worked, he worked them so well. They got too good. <laughs> exactly because it's like it's just like it's like you know i'm thinking he was probably thinking in the back of his mind it's like i i really got to keep pace and you know up my game here because otherwise it's like you know these guys are like you know kind of you know kind of kicking my butt <laughs> yeah definitely one other thing on the vanity six live thing i kind of thought was interesting i keep reading that uh susan moonsey didn't actually sing live it was she was lip syncing and it was jill jones off stage doing her parts which is interesting because I think Susan's on the album on two songs at least. Yeah, because like you know she's on of course on on Drive Me Wild and I guess the other song was Makeup. Yeah. And that's uh, yeah. I mean it's like obviously it's like you know she's you know definitely very cute. It's like but it's like you know not not the greatest singer in the world and of course it's like you know Jill is kind of like definitely one of the kind of the unsung uh, heroines of Prince's camp because, you know, she really is like a, a major talent in her own right. Yeah. And I think Prince, I think Prince saw that very early on. Definitely. So up first, we're going to talk about the Vanity Six album, self-titled, like I said, August 11th, 1982, track by track, uh, track one, Nasty Girl. single like that's one thing i was i couldn't quite find clarity on if this or a different track was the first thing no it's like actually the first the actually the very first single release from the vanity six album was actually was he's so dull okay that was one of those two all right yeah and the, and of course it's like part of the reason too is like that it was issued as such as because uh it was actually released in advance of the album because it was also on the soundtrack of national lampoon's vacation I noticed that. Yeah, I, I rewatched that movie recently, and I, I was yeah, like, actually, "Wait, yeah, I'm sorry." It's like it's actually that I am wrong about that actually, because actually, National Lampoon's Vacation actually came out almost a year after it. But still, you know, it's like the that single did come out in advance of the album, you know, which you know I think which came out maybe like around June or July, and then of course the album dropped in August. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I'll never forget watching uh, National Lampoon's Vacation like recently, like 
it'd been so long and then i've discovered you know vandy six in this time and to hear that song in that movie it's a little jarring at first it's like what exactly but then again <laughs> you know it's like this it's is so like, cool you know, what, do you, what do you expect like an r-rated comedy though it's like they have like you know a con- you know kind of very uh you know kind of controversial you know girl group it's like it was definitely like you know this is maybe not for the kids but you yeah know, but we're, we were we were digging it though as kids <laughs> but back to nasty girl this is a great opener uh, oh. this is just classic 80s synth funk it feels like it could have fit on 1999 or controversy and it's easily i mean it's like it's just like the first time i can still recall hearing that song on the radio for the very first time and it's like there was a radio station in the bay area called ksol which of course is uh famous in the right because actually that that was you know when he was a disc jockey that's where sly stone was a dj Oh. But you know, by, by the you know by the late seventies, early eighties, it's like you know they hit KSOL had moved out of San Francisco and was like you know down the peninsula actually in, in San Mateo. But they're definitely very much a uh, groundbreaking and cutting edge kind of R and B station. That's like and they were like one of the first places in the country to really play the Vanity Six record, you know, to play Nasty Girl and really kind of help make it a hit. That's crazy. Like I I, I can't imagine the song getting on the radio. It's so like like this is dirty prince this is like filthy horny like 80s prince at its finest exactly. and, and of course and like a lot of r&b stations which only played the very short edit of uh nasty girl it's like the kiss well always did play the album version by the oh, way there's a single yeah. edit of this out there <laughs> well yeah because actually because of because actually the 45 that they issued of nasty girl is like is just under three minutes long in a second it, it fades before the uh before the real controversial part of that's this fucking part you know, before, by vanity. Before she says, "I need seven inches or more." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, that. Uh, I think after a while, it's like you know, KSOL did have to kind of it had to make an edit of that part because I'm sure it's like that they probably may have gotten some angry calls from parents. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it's like I'm just like it's like wow, because <laughs> it's like you know, this is this is like right at the time of my life. It's like where I'm starting to like you know go through go through my physical changes it's like you know i'm just like oh boy this like this is the perfect this is the perfect soundtrack for puberty <laughs> i bet man like if i had ha- had this in high school yikes i can only imagine <laughs> exactly and of course it's like vanity was just like oh my god it's like this is just like this is just like one of the most beautiful women on the planet it's like it's just like oh it's like oh my goodness right and i, I really got that yesterday too watching like i sent you a video that i found and mm. watching that like i really got that i was like wow she she was gorgeous and like even in that grainy quality like you could tell and i could tell also like what prince meant when he said it was like kind of looking in a mirror they do look similar yeah i mean it's like i said it's like you know it's just like you know you you know let's let's face facts it's like you know that prince was not exactly you know uh to look at it you know like you know whether whether you're you know what whatever your inclination is it's like you know it's like he's you know he's a pretty man he's like you know let's face you know he's He's just like, you know, he's not only it's like he's like one of the most talented musicians on the planet, but it's like, you know, that he got, you know, kind of got the the bonus in the, you know, just being very photogenic and and very charismatic. So, you know, he, yeah. he got, you know, he kind of got more than the rest of us. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah, solid opener. I also love the video for this song. I love a good 80s, like weird video. And there's there's not much going on in the video, but it's kind of cool to see them dancing. Yeah, the performance clip is is for that is great in a second. Just like you know when they're like kind of like in these kind of uh, kind of short kind of you know cocktail dress outfits, and then they and then they go behind the uh, 
you know, go behind the door and they come back out and it's like, and they're wearing like the, you know, they're wearing like, you know, underwear, basically. Yeah, yeah like yeah. lingerie. <laughs> Exactly. It's like that's just like that's a that's a teenage boy's fantasy come true. Did uh, because you probably had MTV growing up, but like the MTV I had was playing like Viva La Bam and shit. Was that a video that would get airtime or not really? Actually, it's like there was a, a video channel actually in uh, actually in the Bay Area. It's like that there was a, a local uh, channel in the actually in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, and there was a show called Video Soul. Where they actually did mm. used to play the uh that video but you know as far as because actually it's like i didn't have my family did not have mtv at the time because it was one of those things even though that we had cable it was something extra you had to pay for yeah and of course they were they were definitely not playing that so interesting but you know but they were definitely like some you know like kind of regional you know tv uh shows it's like they were playing those video clips definitely so yeah great opener love that song and the last thing I'll say, is, say on it is uh, we got the Prince Originals album a couple years ago. We got to hear him sing Makeup. I want to hear his version, his guide vocal of this. I bet that sounds awesome. Exactly. It's like, it's just like, he's, you know, it's just like, you know, hearing hearing his voice is like on top of those tracks is like, it's really kind of like, you know, revelatory. You know, it's like, because you, because it's like, they are literally, because he, you know, the demos on that Originals album, it's like, are basically, it's like the same versions as the release tracks you know just but with his voice on them um, track two wet dream tell like you, this, this is obviously a song that prince wrote it's so obvious like even in the kind of vocal delivery that vanity is giving like the way she sings it the cadence in which she sings it with that's how i imagine prince would deliver it, it it's very spot on and this a, one i'm yeah i'm thinking too it's like that he probably put his vocals down as a guidance and she pro and probably just told us like hey just follow this exactly yeah I like this one a lot. It's kind of retro futury. It's got that girl group vibe and kind of like it's like synthy surf rock kind of. Um, exactly. It's like, and of course, it's like it, it also is one of the cuts on that album that has really kind of a very kind of new wave-ish kind of feel to it as well. Yeah. But but with Prince's own kind of kind of signature brand of like kind of funk at the bottom of it in terms of like the kind of the drum pattern and the uh you know, like the little keyboard stabs that he plays throughout that. Oh yeah, those little like uh, spacey noises that he, that he plays on the keys. That's very cool. Yeah, exactly. Of course, because you know Prince's, you know, main one of his main instruments, you know, and really kind of on his own work and others, it's like you know that, uh, you know, he was really one of the musicians that kind of helped make the Oberheim OBX, you know, synthesizer really popular. Oh yeah, and that, and we'll get back to that in a moment too, because actually there's a a, a slight funny side story regarding that particular instrument oh I, I look i'm looking forward to that um yeah yeah this is another what winner this song is just fun i like the lindrum and the synth and i never noticed it till this time when i was listening to it 
like like we're really laying on the innuendo thick on the album, but then you'd add a rainstorm on top of Wet Dream, and yeah, and it's like just the, I love I love the way this like that that track ends. It's like and how it kind of segues <laughs> into the next track on the album. Right. So cool, um, like like no subtlety. It's just perfect, and that's why you love Prince. Exactly, because it's like it's just like okay, why is it raining all of a sudden? Oh, it's like oh, this like the. Yeah, it's like, oh, we're, we're again, it was like we're kind of doing the kind of sly metaphor thing. It's like, you know, with the, you know, courts being called wet dream. Yeah, you can hear the waves breaking in her pants. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Yeah. It got any more on this one? Uh, just to, other than the fact that it's like that it's like, you know, uh, you know, it's vanity. Wow. <laughs> it, is, it is vanity yeah also b-side to he's so dull in the uk yes that's right all right drive me wild Driven, baby, you're the first. Come on, baby, try me wild. Look at me at my telephone. Whatever you want, just dial. Come on, little please, it's so easy. Do it, baby, try me wild. Come on. One of my favorites on the album. Uh, great synth rocker. I love how driving this song sounds. Uh, you have a story. So, uh, what 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 did, what did you want to say about this one? About uh, about the thing with uh, Prince and the synth is yeah. that uh, prior to uh, matter of fact, actually, when Prince was touring behind, actually, it was it was actually behind Dirty Mind in like in 1980 that uh, he was the opening act for Rick James. And uh, of course, it's like, you know, the controversy is like, you know, that they didn't exactly uh, get along very well. And that uh, apparently like at the end of that tour, Rick actually had uh, his uh, his road crew break into Prince's equipment van and stole uh, Prince's synthesizer from his equipment van. And then when uh, Rick went to Sausalito to record street songs, of course, you know, the album with... Uh, you know, of course, was giving baby and 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 super freak. He actually used that very keyboard actually, like on super freak, and a couple of other tracks on the album. And then he sent the synthesizer back to Minneapolis to Prince with a note saying, "You know, thank you for the use of your keyboard." <laughs> I've heard that story. I just love it. It's such a. It's funny. It sounds more like a Prince move than a Rick James move. You think, but it also kind of shows you how. You know, they they were rivals at that point. They were kind of Very fighting so. for the same spot. <laughs> and because, and of course, the other six degrees of separation thing was the fact that Jill Jones actually was originally like a background singer, actually for Tina Marie. You oh. know, so she she was in the Rick James camp actually before you know Prince kind of you know stole her away. <laughs> I that I didn't know. That is hilarious. <laughs> And of course, the other thing I'm sure you probably know too is that actually it's like that Vanity actually went out with Rick James actually prior to going out, with, you know, dating Prince. That I did not that, know. Yes, that's actually true. It's like uh, Vanity actually met Prince actually at the American Music Awards, I guess, like in nineteen in early 1982, because huh. you know Rick was you know in the midst of of you know still in the 
midst of the success of street songs and i guess he had been nominated for awards there and they and vanity and and rick were there together and prince was happened to be there as well and that's where they that's where they originally met and so basically like you know prince you know uh charmed his way into into vanity's life and they were like an item after that and she like left rick (laughs) (laughs) there you go yeah prince will steal your girl for sure he he did it's like and not only that too it's like that ironically it's like that i think that prince actually one of the other things for him coming up with the you know with the hooker slash vanity six thing is that i think he had actually hurt got wind of like rick you know putting the mary jane girls together and that and then he had heard that he was working on that project and that, you know, he threw the, he put the Vanity Six project together and beat them to the marketplace <laughs> because actually, because uh, the Mary Jane Girls album did, actually didn't come out until, actually, matter of fact, actually it was released actually like 40 years ago last week in April of 1983, you know, like, you know, several months after the Vanity Six record came out. Interesting. So Rick James put together the Mary Jane Girls? That I didn't know. Yes, he did. It's like, you know, because they because they, they originally just started as being backup singers, actually, for him. And that he eventually decided it's like, you know, that he should like, you know, put, a, you know, a record out on them because, you know, because he already had like uh, uh, Jojo McDuffie actually, you know, was one of his original background singers. So huh. that's crazy. So that's where, kind of, that's where Prince kind of got, you know, kind of started the wheel started kind of turning in his head because he saw them you know, performing behind Rick every night on stage. That's, that's really cool. But anyway, I think I don't want to, I don't want to get too far out, out of the, yeah. out of the, with a whole, uh, you know, kind of back and forth between uh, Prince and Rick James, you know, with some of the things that happened between the, yeah. and of course it's like the uh, back, back to driving wild that, uh, this song actually has a kind of interesting history. It's kind of its release trajectory because initially, when it, you know, when it appeared on the album, like that, it was actually stuck on the B side of "Nasty Girl." Actually, it was the it was the original B side for that track, and that for some reason, uh, radio picked up on it, and fans, you know, song too, that. Uh, it actually started to get airplay too as alongside uh, nasty girl and what eventually happened was that prince decided hmm maybe it's like this might be a good idea to release this track as a single so he went back to warner brothers and said it's like you know i want to put this out as a single so what ended up happening is that he went back and added an extra guitar part and some other little overdubs to it and uh, remixed it and put it out as a single like in early 83 actually is the follow-up to uh actually as the it was actually it was the last single the third single and off of uh off of the vanity six record after one other track we'll get to that one in a little while but that uh of course it's like and of course it was the only other track besides uh well, actually, yeah, there were actually there were the three music videos that they did make for that. It was like, we're for Nasty Girl. There's actually one for Drive Me Wild, which is crazy if you've never seen it before. Because it's like, it's like this, uh, basically, it's like, it's almost kind of like a thing where uh, Susan is having a dream. And then suddenly it's like, you know, that uh, Vanity and Brenda, it's like, you know, come into her room. It's like, and, you know, 
take you know inspirit her away to this party as so i can they uh you know perform the song in the music video huh. i'm gonna have to look that up but that's really it's crazy too. it's like because apparently too it's like that there's also a part in the video where you see somebody like dressed as a clown in the video it's like and i believe that it's actually prince in disguise hmm. that's interesting yeah i'm gonna have to yeah. look that up, I'm gonna have to look that that, up. And the version that's in the video too is actually is the twelve inch mix of the song because the video is like about maybe like about six or so minutes long, so it's it's just slightly shorter than the twelve inch single version that they put out of it. Very cool. Yeah, thank you for all that information. That that was stuff I didn't know. So crazy. Um, my last two notes on this second favorite track on the album for me. Absolutely adore this song. Oh, um, I love it. It's like it's, I love the line where Susan says it's like you know. Ooh, look at me, I'm a baby doll. Just stick me up and I'll smile. And lay me down without a whole lot of fighting. Come on, baby, drive me wild. It's like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> it's like, sure. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, th this song, is, yeah. Classic, classic friends there, right there. I, I caught that line for the first time this time around because I was doing a really deep listen. I was like, oh, wow. Yeah, like I said, it's like this this album just literally just drips sex. <laughs> it's yeah. like it really does. It oozes sex. Like <laughs> like it's it, it's it's got a, like a layer of it's got a glaze on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it pretty much You got that right. All right. Last two notes on this one, uh B-side to Nasty Girl and uh covered actually by the Foo Fighters at one point, which I think is interesting. Wow. I didn't. I actually did not know that they did that. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it was around the time they did uh, the color and the shape, and it's on the remastered version of the album. Yeah, but then again, it's like they also did "Darling," you know, "Darling Nikki" too. Yeah, I got to see them play that live. Actually, I was at the Grammy Salute to Prince. I actually got to go to that. Um, wow, that's great. So yeah, I got to watch the Foo Fighters play "Pop Life" with Sheila E, and then. Uh, they did Darling Nikki. And it was so funny when they did that because um, Sheila E. grabbed Dave's mic and goes, okay, you have to do the song now. And she kind of like smiled and like like skipped off stage. And Dave was kind of like, oh boy. <laughs> like, and, and he told the story like, you know, we covered this song and I don't think Prince liked it very much, but we rehearsed it today. So we're going to give it a try. And they did Darling Nikki. And that ended up being the song they aired during the broadcast. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, had no I, idea. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good cover. Yeah. All right. Moving on to track four. He's so dull. Des Dickerson, um, which is, it's always surprising to me, like on these protege albums, when Prince will kind of give someone else a chance to write because Prince very much is in control of the whole project usually. So, exactly. 
I'm always surprised when he's willing to kind of secede some power, like, okay, Des, you write a song. And I think Des wrote a good one here. It's a fun little like surf rock song. It's got that retro future vibe. It's got like the organ in it. Um, and like we said, featured in uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, uh, Des on the drums and guitar. Um, just a fun little song about a dude that's just kind of a nerd. Uh, that's exactly. That's like, and of course, I don't know if you've ever seen the music video for that. It's like with the you know, you see kind of like kind of a nerdy guy kind of being kind of pushed around by the girls in the cliff. Huh. Yeah. I wonder... Like I said, while they're wearing, it's like while they're wearing uh, in dressed in uh, in camisoles. <laughs> that sounds like fun. That sounds like fun. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like, but yeah, that would that was the actually the initial single actually released from uh, from the Vanity Six album. Of course, it's like you know it was not. Uh, it's not really a hit, but you know, it's like it, you know, kind of put them kind of on the radar. And of yeah. course, they, uh, Warner Brothers, you know, kind of uh, pivoted very quickly and put uh, Nasty Girl out right behind it. Yeah, I, I could see why they started with this one because this is probably the safest song on the album, maybe. Like, it doesn't feel like as aggressively sexual. I mean, it's definitely aggressive, but it's not like in the same way that Nasty Girl or Drive Me Wild is. Yeah, because I'm certain that's like that they probably thought that was the track that would be like the best, you know, chance for getting definitely pop, definitely possibly like pop crossover airplay. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, it, of course, it didn't it didn't work out like that. Also, what's going on at the end of this the song? Because it like fades out, and then you hear what sound you like. I don't know what's going on. It sounds like someone falls over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a matter of fact. That's actually like in, in covered in the video too. It's like where. Uh, you know the guy that's uh you know that's kind of being picked on because it's like you know that he like trips and falls over, so okay. it's like that they that that's that's the reason why that uh you know why you hear that is like and because it's like you definitely hear it without seeing the video. It's like you it's kind of like you know it's weird kind of hearing that out of context like that. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's a strange, strange little moment, but that's cool. Like that they tied it all together in the end. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And shout, and shout out to Dez, like, he's actually, he, I didn't realize it until, like, you know, I started really digging into, like, the backstory of some of these records. He's written a few cool songs on these side projects. Like, I love uh, After High School as well on the First Time album. I think that's a great yeah, song. Yeah, I do love that track, too. It's like, that's, that's, that's definitely, like, one of my favorite uh, time tracks, you know, from that first album. It's so fun. And it's kind of in the same vein as this one. It's a bit of a little surf rock synthy synth thing going on there. Exactly. So cool. And of course, it's like, you know, you talk about like giving songwriting credit. It's like, you know, of course, one of the other things that's interesting about the Vanity Six album is how uh, even though Prince, you know, wrote the songs, you know, the majority of the songs on the album, it's like that he actually credits them to the girls, you know, depending on who sang lead on what song. Right. Right. I, want, I always wondered if he did that just to kind of give the illusion that this was an organic thing. Yeah, that's how that all worked out because you know, he didn't want you know everybody to you know know the truth that he was just basically kind of the you know kind of the Spengali kind of like you know pulling the strings behind the scene. Yeah, he's so dull. Love it. Got anything else on that one? No, that's pretty much it. Actually, it's like that. You know, again, it's like you know, it's one of those songs. It's like initially, it's like you know, I was you know, kind of just kind of lukewarm on, but it's like it's one of those songs that really has kind of grown on me with time, and I really you know enjoy hearing it now. Nice. I imagine if we had vinyl, this is where we would flip it over uh, for the next one. I, I could be wrong, though. Um, but... You're absolutely correct, actually. It's like, because, you know, they out, of course, if you 
own a copy of the vinyl pressing of uh, the Van 86 album that the uh, sides are labeled side one and side six. <laughs> you know, awesome. and, also, and, and, and the cassette is also labeled the same way as well. Huh. That's awesome. But yeah, we're kicking things off on side two with a song that I really like. Uh, some funky bass on this one. If a girl answers, don't hang up. Hello. This is Vanity. It's Jimmy home. Yes, but he's taking a shower. Oh, I see. Did he just take out the trash? No, that's something he used to do. Now he's taking out me. Oh, I see. Well, tell him he left his pants over here last night. What's the matter? Is he going swimming? Well, I know we was gonna go, but he said he did that last night. Well, sugar, I know about a great party. Why don't you bring us your car? So sorry, baby, but I never go to singles bars. Singles? Is that what you think? Trap, I'm dating your dad. Oh, he died about seven years back. Ain't that just too bad? Well, that's how we like him. Tall, stiff, and ready. That's positively more than I can say for Ted Jimmy. That's because he was swallowing vitamin E, now he's swallowing me. Oh, you mean you were swallowing him? Why don't you just tie a mattress to your back? I'm gonna need it, cause if I ever see your face, I'm gonna fall and have a heart attack. Uh, this song is just silly, and I love it. It's almost more of a skit than a song with the whole tele- yeah. telephone conversation going on. Uh, Prince playing the girl on the other end of the phone and sounding a lot like uh, Morris Day in doing so. Um, totally just this song just makes me laugh like because because it keeps going and going and then brenda kind of intervenes and takes over and yeah. roasts the guy <laughs> and brenda just really just like rips on the new one on that as well yeah she, she's, yeah she's great and then terry lewis playing the bass on this one which is interesting that's correct it's like actually it's, it is it is like one of the few times it's like you know that uh prince you know had uh his uh other folks actually like playing where he didn't play like all of the instruments that's like on the track because you know terry is you know you know for those definitely in the know it's like you know terry is a, is a monster on bass <laughs> it's like he really is oh yeah and, yeah this is probably the most like if we're talking like funk like of the era like this is probably the most yeah because that's that's definitely one of those songs you know that uh you know that I definitely played out at gigs too because it's like because it was just a track that I really loved. It's like and it's such a danceable, funky track. So you know, definitely, it's like I have a great fondness for this one too. Oh, did you? Were you like a DJ? Oh yeah, for a long time actually. It's like a matter of fact, actually, it's like I for years actually. It's like with a friend of mine in the Bay Area. It's like we actually did like a uh, we did like a, a Prince and Michael Jackson like tribute party, and of course we also played you know like the artists kind of like in the circle of those artists as well oh wow and of course and of course vanity six went over very well you know on those in those parts great song just a hilarious song and it's kind of funny the song goes on a bit longer and i was listening to it with my wife in the car uh this weekend she's like why do they let it run out so long on the album like well because you gotta let it was the 80s you gotta let people dance exactly it's like you exactly you had you got to go it's like nile rogers is like used to say too it's like that uh that uh that the the constant you know it's like the song you know the concept song like was definitely like uh conceived just like you know just to get to the breakdown of it because <laughs> it's like that's where you know the musicians could really you know kind of stretch out and do their thing yeah this song was made for uh the dance scene 
of the time for sure. The next we get, uh, this is like, it's funny. It's my least favorite song on the album, but musically I love it. It's uh, Makeup. Blush. Eyeliner. Hush. See what you made me do. a lot you can tell like prince's love of gary newman kind of comes through on this one it's very spacey and synthy and kind of creepy sounding but lyrically, exactly lyrically though it's always felt a little forced like we need a song um let's do a song about girls putting on makeup and susan just kind of sounds detached while she's doing it exactly it's like that that you pretty much nailed it right on the head it's like you know because it is this kind of like kind of like kind of cold distant kind of new wavy kind of track but it's like you know that uh and she does have like kind of delivery you know vocally on it but you know you know even as a filler track it's like it's just like hmm, this is interesting oh yeah and it's like just it always because it always seemed like you know that the way that uh especially the way that prince would write is like you know it just seemed like he when he was like in the zone writing songs it's like that you know, he could just like, you know, come up with anything like on the spot and, you know, it would be something that could end up on an album somewhere. Yeah, it, it's pleasing ear candy for sure. It's it's a fun listen, e- even if it's like the lowest on the album. Yeah. Yeah, not much else to say about that one. I, I will reference the originals again. It was, it was cool to hear that Prince uh, version of it, but like I said, I would love to hear him sing Nasty Girl instead of uh, Makeup. Track seven, uh, Bite the Beat. Brenda's lead vocal now. Um, this yeah. is another kind of surfy sounding song, very minimalist. Um, I like the vibe, but I feel like Brenda could probably sing better than she does here. It's kind of another one that's kind of just very flat vocally, but it's a cool song. Uh, it's another dirty song. I think we got a kind of lingus metaphor going on here. Um, yeah, because you know, of course, it's like you know, the kind of pre-chorus hook thing is like that she does, and that is like the line where she says it's like. When I first saw your teeth, I knew you were the only one qualified to bite the beat. Don't try to call your mother. Just just do it. <laughs> you can do it. Bite the beat. <laughs> it's like, wow. <laughs> and again, it's like, this actually was actually released as a single A-side, believe it or not. Actually, right after Nasty Girl, it actually came out as a single in, in January of 83. Wow. Which, of course, and of course, it's like, you know, got almost no airplay. Either. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, like it, it did not chart, but uh, Warner Brothers actually as it did to throw it out there as a single. Believe it or not, that's crazy. And it was, and it was so low key that I literally did not find out that this song had actually been released as a single. Ace, I bought one on, I bought a copy of it on eBay just a few months ago. <laughs> it's like <laughs> that's a, that's how. Oh, that's how covert the release of that was. That was the last ditch. Like, like maybe we can get one more out of this thing. Yeah, exactly. But then again, of course, it's like what's interesting about that as well is that uh, when they issued uh, the remixed version of "Drive Me Wild" as a uh, as a single, as technically the last single from the album, they actually did put "Bite the Beat" on the flip side of the twelve inch single. Huh. Interesting. They didn't give up on it then. No, they didn't because actually, because by that time, it's like I think that the Vanity Six album actually turned gold by then. So they thought maybe you know they could get a little more mileage out of it. Huh. So this, so the album did go gold. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yes, it did actually. Matter of fact, what's crazy is the fact that if you look, if you can find uh, a Billboard R and B album uh, chart, you know, from that period, like in the, in like in like early part of 1983, that. 1999, Vanity Six, and What Time Is It? By the time all like in the R&B top ten at the same time, which is insane. That's crazy. Prince ruling the airwaves for sure. Totally. You know, so he really, he definitely, you know, before, you know, because of course that was the period when he was really beginning his major kind of crossover. But still, you know, that that is pretty, pretty remarkable achievement. That is insane. All right. So moving on to the closing number, uh, track eight, a nice little ballad to round this one out. Three times two equals six. one where i can hear the prince cadence and vanity's voice um this was the b-side to bite the beat um this is a very dreamy and floaty and pretty song but i still find myself wondering because i can't find it anywhere online i found speculation what is three times two equals six like is it because there's like i've heard it's because there's three girls six boobs between between the three of them exactly what i've heard too as well it's like that's uh that that's supposedly what the quote unquote deeper hidden meaning of that song is. It's just like it's just like, you know, like Prince, you know, being his usual kind of provocative self. Right. But then I I think about that and like, what does that have to do with the lyrics though? Not a thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, not not a thing. No, definitely not a thing. Yeah, it's just a song about a song about a girl going to a show. Um, yeah, exactly. it's just like it's just like hmm, head scratcher. 
I love this one. I love the little guitar solo that Prince throws in. It's kind of funny. It's the only guitar solo I've heard Prince play where I think he's kind of holding back almost. Like he's not, like he doesn't like go like or anything. Like he just kind of like floats along with the song. But yeah, that, that rounds up the Vanity Six album and the first act of the Triple Threat tour. Um, I dig this record. I, it's hard to find, but if you're a serious Prince fan, I recommend checking this one out. Um, yeah, the album has been out of print in any form for a long time. I mean, literally, Vanity became like a, uh, aka Denise Matthews became a, uh, a born again Christian. You know that she kind of wanted her, you know, previous, you know, kind of persona to be kind of, you know, set aside. So I think she, and Prince, uh, Warner Brothers and Prince actually respected, you know, uh, her wishes. It's like, and, you know, did not, uh, you know, the album out of circulation, which is unfortunate because it's like, you know, it's still, because it's like it's been bootlegged like crazy over the years. It's like, and there people have never, you know, stopped wanting to hear that stuff. Yeah. And what's crazy is my copy is, so it's, it's an actual CD, like an actual Warner Brothers CD that I bought off eBay and uh just put in this case that with like art with which was from a burned version i bought off amazon so it's a real cd without the traditional artwork yeah i love to uh not to do too many sidebars but like i always wonder like okay we've got we're starting to get the print stuff reissued will the protege stuff like ever get another like push out there or is this stuff gonna kind of just like stay the obscurity. I really hope there's so much great uh, Prince-related era stuff too. This, you know, of course, uh, you know, besides Vanity Six and Apollonia Sixteen, you know, things like you know, like the one Jill Jones album that came out. There's Maserati. There's the Family, which of course is like another uh, wonderful uh, Prince-related album as well as you know, past, uh, instrumental records and just all kinds of things. He did during that era. Yeah. Moving on, uh, we're going to talk about the time next. Uh, their second album, "What Time Is It?" The time were formed, kind of born out of Prince. This is the story I've heard. Uh, Morris kind of had this groove, which became the song "Party Up," and he basically right. offered, offered Morris like, "I'll either give you like this much money for the song, or you can give me the song, and I will kind of help secure this like." record deal for you basically he'll put he'll put a project together for him and morris chose the latter and that's how we ended up with that first time album which uh you know yeah, it was right. all it was all prince and morris uh like and probably a little bit of des dickerson and i think i think lisa and dr fink maybe play on that first record a little though i could be wrong on that i yes really actually you're right actually they did uh, do some keyboard parts for that record as well thought so Okay, so that that was that was correct. All right, yeah, I, I read a lot of stuff on like online, but I'm never sure how accurate some of it is. So, and that record, it, it must have done well enough that Prince was like, okay, well, we're gonna do a second one now. Um, yes, because actually the first time album did do very well, and it was you know it was a gold plus record, so it's like it did uh, sold very matter of fact because it did come out you know right before uh, you know before controversy did. And, uh, you know, people were kind of very interested, you know, very kind of instantly interested in it because, you know, they knew, you know, because fans knew about the Prince connection, but, you know, they also, you know, kind of really gravitated to Morris and to the rest of the band because of, you know, because they really are, you know, besides being great players, it's like, you know, they're all really kind of characters in their own right. 
Yeah, they were all characters. They, all, they had a look about them, like with the suits and everything. Like, like you, you look at the cover of that first album, and th th there's a vibe there. They just look cool. They ooze cool. Absolutely, couldn't you could not be more right? Because I mean, it's like the first time I heard "Get It Up" like in the summer of '81 when that came out. It's like I'm again. It's like it was just like, oh wow, who is this? And it's like it was just again. It's like you know that that back to back. Uh, you know, hit of uh, get it up and then cool. You know, following up, which was which was even an even bigger hit off of that album. You know, it's like that they really kind of you know established themselves pretty quickly. They 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 must have man, uh, yeah. That great songs. One thing I have to say about get it up is I think that is some of the best guitar Prince has ever played is on that track. It's exactly. Insane. It's like it's just like you know you you hear like the whole nine minutes plus of that it's like it's just like you know he really does like you know just you know he just like cooks <laughs> it's like you know as you know when he plays like lead guitar on that yeah yeah he really he really lets himself shine on those time albums uh the time i think and i'm curious if you agree with this it feels more of an extension of prince than vanity six is like vanity six is an extension of prince but it's more like an idea he had the time feels like something that he could do himself if he really wanted to do it. Yeah, because I mean, but then, of course, the difference too is like, you know, with the time is that, you know, these guys are actual, you know, musicians and can really play great, you know, it's like in that, and like I said, like I said earlier, it's like that, uh, you know, that they gave Prince a run for his money on stage, you know, when they started to tour together because, oh, yeah. you know, he did like, you know, really kind of work and drill them hard, you know, because I remember, uh, I think it was Jimmy Jam was talking about how, you know, that, you know, when Prince was working with them, he said it wasn't enough just to be able to play your instrument well. It's like you also had to be able to dance and, you know, and really kind of be a showman while you perform. And, you know, that was one of the things that he kind of instilled in them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You see those early videos. Like I watched, uh, I watched the music video for The Walk for the first time this week and just to see everybody doing the moves like on stage, like you, you really got a feel for like how like how much he worked that day and how much like he taught them. It's really cool. Oh, definitely. You know, like I said, it's like you know they that uh, they were a lot of the times it's like you know when they were going out on the road, it's like that they were literally rehearsing like eight to ten hours a day, you know, to you know to be that smooth on stage. Nice. So released August twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two. After uh, Vanity Six, we got the Time second album. What time is it? More stay on the cover, looking badass as usual uh, <laughs> some other tracks that were demoed but not included include jerk out international lover bold generation and colleen that's correct actually matter of fact actually of course uh when prince was putting that project together it's like you know that i guess jerk out was initially uh, going to be part of that uh part of that record but it was actually i don't think it was at the time it was even like a finished track that it was literally like, you know, basically like, you know, kind of a drum machine rhythm with, you know, bass and a few other like instruments on it, but it was not like kind of like a really a fully formed song. So I think Prince basically just kind of put it aside. And uh, while well, he came up with other, you know, songs for this album. Yeah, it's interesting when you look at the songs that ended up on some of the Time albums like Jerk Out and uh, Chocolate and Summertime Thing, how far they go back actually. Yeah, they do it. Those some of those those tracks do literally go back, like you know, to the you know to the eighties, you know, to the early eighties when uh, you know when Prince was just you know it just seemed like great material, just like just poured out of him on a daily basis. Yeah, it, it's really something. 
but this is another album where um it's mostly prince and morris uh this time around morris on vocals sometimes drums prince on most everything else but uh i believe uh jesse johnson makes an appearance on at least one song uh, that we'll get to so yeah let's let's dive right in this is uh also i'll say this is my favorite of the time albums uh i think this is the one that kind of is the most fully formed like when i think of the time this absolutely is the this is the record i think of. yes of course it's like you know you and of course it's like i'll let you, you know, of course i'll let you do the uh the honors of course it's like of uh the track by track yep let's kick it off kicking us off with a what time is it we got more stay in the time with wild and loose what time is it <laughs> you get that classic quip from Morris and it's just off to the races. This is one of my favorite time songs, just a straight up funk banger. It's a fun song about life on the road. You got gang vocals, which is kind of cool. I feel like everybody's kind of telling you the story of the, the day-to-day life of the time. Um, again, like I said, just exact, you know, bursting with personality. Um, great synth and bass work from Prince. I love this song. What do you think? Definitely. I love it. One of my favorite. You know, what a great, what a great opening track on that album. And of course, you know that uh, uh, Vanity Six also does make a cameo appearance here on this track as well. Yep. Where, uh, the, of course, like the spoken kind of dialogue part in the middle of it is like where uh, uh, Susan, uh, you know, is excited to see Morris. It's like, and he's just like, "Should I go up and talk to him?" Yeah, it's like, it's a, it says, "Well, say something." <laughs> it's like, right? And she, like, "Hi, Morris." And then, like Morris, it's like you know, like his usual thing. It's just a hello. Do I know you? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, we talked on the phone last night. It was oh yeah, well you sure don't look the way you sound. It's like, and she just, and she of course was immediately put off by that. She's like, jerk. It's like, that was the worst comment I've ever been to. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's okay, baby. I'll talk to you later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's like you know, it's like because you know. Uh, too too cool for school is like you know of course what Morris is. Yeah, yeah, no, he's got the character down packed at this point. It's kind of funny when I listen to uh, when I listen to the first time album. I feel like sometimes he's still feeling the character out, but yeah. on this one, it's like it's like in full effect. He's become the guy. Yeah, his like that that his his persona was definitely fully formed by this point, and just like and of course people ate it up because it's like that was the thing that you loved about about Morris is like it was just like you know that he just had like this kind of attitude and swagger about him it's like that was really that was even though technically it was kind of like you know you know Prince you know kind of uh 
kind of egging him on to be like that. It's like, you know, that's, that's definitely part of, that's part of his, you know, kind of real makeup too. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that that's, that's part of what, you know, makes, you know, makes him, you know, kind of a, a really captivating, you know, performer. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and lyrics uh, from Dez on this one, I believe, I believe Dez Dickerson wrote the lyrics to this song. Yes, that's and, correct. Uh, and the other thing I'll say is I was kind of thinking about there's before the, before the interaction with Susan, there's that kind of like you hear the backstage talk you could say it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff like as you listen to what they're saying like when you listen to it sometimes you can pick up on little things in the conversation like i know what i'm gonna be doing in the back of the bus tonight yeah, exactly <laughs> i know it's like you hear like all this other stuff kind of going on around you it's like it's just like you know you feel like you're kind of like kind of like eavesdropping <laughs> it's like as you know it's like as they're saying it yeah it kind of reminds me of like the same like that stuff you hear before alphabet street like like when Prince is like, my name is Andre Crabcakes or something like that. Uh huh. Yeah, just like like look exactly like you said, like little, like little strange kind of non sequitur things. It's like you know that kind of like kind of grab your attention. Yeah, really cool. I love stuff like that. Very cool. Um, and the song just kind of it ends with a chant, uh, and it kind of segs right into uh, the next song, An- another one that's like just straight up funky, seven 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 ninety three eleven. talk about prince being a great bass player here's your uh documentation of that in this song it, the bass on the song is just so fat and big and really drives most of the song um and he gets to let loose on guitar too at one point but man that bass is really out front. yeah matter of fact definitely one of the secrets to uh prince's sound and definitely also like on the times records was that you know that prince his uh the kind of bass that he usually played on on records of this period was like you know like a mid to like a mid 70s like fender jazz bass oh and that because that definitely has like a very kind of distinctive tone and sound to it and it's like you know you can just hear that like all over like you know some of prince's you know best known work is that uh is that fender bass sound yeah and that's uh the other thing about uh 777 that's really unique too is like is the uh the drum programming on it that that is like some of the most complex and amazing kind of uh, Lindrum programming. It's like that I've ever heard out of like anybody, you know, that that's the thing I think that really kind of turned a lot of musicians heads. It's like, is that, you know, how innovative he was with that, you know, instrument, which was really still relatively new at the time. Yeah. I, I've, I can't remember if it's either this song or another one on the album, but I think this is the one where, the drum beat was just like it was pre-programmed in there it was something that was just in the machine he was like i like this and he, he kind of stuck with it which is crazy to me <laughs> like it sounds so like 
thought out and purposeful. Absolutely. Because I mean, it's like the thing that really kind of turns your head. It's like, you know, about the, you know, the way that the, the kick, you know, on that track, as well as the, uh, the 16th notes that he plays like on the hi-hat yeah like on, is just like how did he do that <laughs> it's like it's just like it's just like one of those things it's like you know because you know because even just tr- you know trying to play that you know part like on an actual drum kit is like almost impossible because yeah. it's like it's because of the coordination that would even be necessary to do so it's like it's just like i i've never ceased to be amazed at it it's like and that is so profoundly funky too it's like that it's just like my god <laughs> it's like you gotta wonder you know, what oh, sorry. Oh, i'm sorry go ahead i was just gonna, you gotta wonder what jelly bean johnson was thinking the first time he sat down to listen to something he's like oh I, I i gotta figure this out yeah but you know what he actually wrote because jelly bean is like is a, is a fantastic drummer and the thing that is even more impressive about that Drums were not his original instrument either. Oh, really? You know that J- Jelly Bean is like a guitar player. You know, it's like, and he's and a damn good one too. Actually, it's like matter of fact, one uh, thing that not a lot of people know is that uh, the lead guitar parts actually like on Janet Jackson's Black Cat. That's Jelly Bean Johnson playing. Oh, really? Yes, on the wow. on the original version on on Rhythm Nation. That that's Jelly Bean. I did not know that. I thought that was I thought that was Jesse actually. No, actually, it's like the uh, the on that particular track. Yeah, that that is uh, that's Jelly Bean. Wow, that's that's awesome. Nice. Uh, I, I knew it. I knew you were the right person to pick for this. Like not just from all the recommendations. I knew you would bring stuff that I'd never heard of. So, thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah. And well, thank you. Well, thank you. I'm glad it's like I can I can share that. Yeah, and did I, I still? It makes me laugh, but like. Des's actual phone number, Des Dickerson's actual phone number, ended up being the title of this song. And what kills me about it, because like he actually had to change it at some point, like he knew he had to know Prince had done this. And he the album yeah. had to go to production. Like there had to be like, you know, time for the for this to happen. Like I wonder if like maybe maybe Des was like, uh, maybe it will catch on, and then it did. <laughs> no, it was it was it was a huge hit because actually it's like uh that single actually went like to number two, like on the R and B chart. I think it was like the, you know, the time second highest charting single after Cool. Oh wow! You know, which also, which also made the top five on the R and B chart. So it was everywhere. And what's funny, I remember too, is like you know, with that particular telephone number, kind of like you know, this, this was literally only like maybe, maybe about five or six months after Tommy Two Tone had hit with you know eight six seven five three zero nine Jenny. You know, so to have like another song, it's like, you know, be, you know, named after a phone number that uh, people were getting, you know, getting crank calls. It's like at all times of the hour, at the day and night, it's like in various area codes with that telephone number. <laughs> and the places I can remember, too, is because actually 777 was like a prefix for uh, San Francisco, California. So it's like oh, there's right. a person that's like in the Bay Area, it's like that said that they had to changed their telephone number after that song came out because they got like something like 20,000 calls in like several days Jesus. after the record hit. <laughs> it's <a> crazy. <laughs> That's insane. It also like makes you realize how big the time actually were then because it's kind of funny like you know they they were Prince's opening band but they were they were superstars in their own right. Yeah they definitely like I said they definitely like you know like they were basically almost hired as like as like you know a, a front for another one of being you know, like Prince's you know uh you know, for Prince's own creativity, it's like, but they kind of like formed a life of their own. 
you know, by being, you know, by really kind of just becoming, you know, really world-class, you know, players. It's like, you know, that could, you know, could stand on their own. Yeah, for sure. And this song's a testament to that. Even though they're not everybody's playing on the song live, the song is a beast. So, yeah, one of the best on the album. Any other thoughts on it? Agreed. Oh, just again, it's like that. that's probably one of my favorite uh, time songs. And also the other thing, too, is like is that if you bought the 45 of that single, it's like that it is it has a non-album track called Grace, which it oh. basically is like kind of a mock interview between to, between Morris and a reporter named Brigitte Harrington, who actually is played by Vanity. And it's like, you know, she's asking, you know, him questions. It's like in, you know, Morris is being kind of his usual kind of uh, kind of snarky self. And it's like, he's just like, said, she's like, tell me. It's like, I said, are you really so cool? And he says, is it, and he says, is money green? <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. said, he said, how did you, it's like, how did you notice your coolness? He says that I didn't, the doctor did. He said, <laughs> it's like, you know how some people are born in birthday suits? So I was born in a zoot suit. He just said, you have got to be joking. I said, baby, I ain't got time to joke. What time is it anyway? <laughs> you know? And it's, it's like, this is like this real short track. It's like, it's barely like three minutes long, but it's hysterically funny. And it's like, and again, it's like, this is something that's just buried as a non-album B-side and it's wonderful. I'm so gonna... it's like, if you have a chance, it's like, you know, go to YouTube or wherever. It's like, and you should be able to find it. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely gonna dig that up. It's kind of funny that like to know that exists too, because I've always thought when we get to ice cream castles, I'm like, I'm always like, why did Prince feel the need to put like a make a third track just a skit, like just just yeah. talking? But but like it makes sense now. It's he's been playing with the character that like that since even this back as far as this album. So there you go. Yeah, because because actually there were uh, KSOL also did make a mix of that track where they actually combine. Uh, seven 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 ninety three eleven and grace and just you know and played them together and people went crazy for it like that that's awesome love it <laughs> all right well next we get uh ender for side one which is uh one day i'm gonna be somebody all one word <laughs> given the ending um just a song about wanting to be rich and famous and it, it's funny it's bouncy i love the ending where the it sounds like the needle coming off the record and it's like we don't like new wave and they all just laugh uh -huh. exactly like, it's like because of course it's like you hear them repeat that it's like you know a little later on the other side of the album too yep it's also just funny too because you don't expect it like especially the first time you're listening to it you're in the groove and all of a sudden <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like it's like psych. Yeah, like <laughs> for sure. I I sometimes wonder like was this like just a total like okay we need to fill a couple extra minutes on the album. What are we gonna do? Or You're probably right about that because you know because I mean technically even though you know it's you know you know full length album it's like it's actually it's a relatively short album in duration it's like that it's barely I think barely like maybe thirty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's which, you know which, you know in in that particular time it's like you know like generally like around 40 minutes or so is like is the average running time of an album so anything under that is like is, you know you would consider kind of like kind of brief time-wise yeah vanity ran 31 minutes <laughs> so yeah that's a, that is a short album too it's like but it's like you know every minute of it is pretty much just like you know you're you know this is you know that there's it doesn't lag really at all no not at all and neither does this one like it and the songs are we should say some of these songs are quite long like we only got six songs to talk about here with this album but they never feel like it and ne i never feel like any of these songs drag you always want to know they don't, like you don't yeah you don't really feel even like you know with the you know because like i think like wild and loose again is like is like a, a seven minute plus track as, as well as you know seven 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 ninety three eleven you know that you know, but they don't feel like they overstay their welcome not at all yeah, the last thing I'll say on one day I'm going to be somebody is I don't know why, but I love the lyric about working in the car wash because I just ima imagine Morris like aggressively scrubbing someone's car when he's singing that line, like with like a squeegee. I don't know why. That's just the image I see in my head every time I hear it. Uh, flipping it over to side two for another great funk workout, uh, another single. Uh, this one had a video, The Walk. us to do a new dance called the walk um this is just a great chance for the band to be the band and for morris to be morris and do his little character Absolutely. thing like there, there's just so many quotables in this song the days of dancing in one place are gone with them tight jeans on if you try to cop a dip you will slip drip and fall walking's for the cool baby put on the camisole <laughs> exactly it's like it just like again it's like that's something that's like we would just literally like walk around you know saying and, and singing to ourselves it's like it's you know anybody you know when i was because like again it's like i was in high school when this album came out so you know it's like it was definitely kind of like you're part of you know you're kind of part of the club it's like if you were if you were into the into prince and in the time yeah, you you had you had this little shorthand for for, exactly. for this music. You knew, you knew exactly what somebody was talking about when they when they brought that up. Oh yeah, yeah. This their song is funny lyrically. There's not a whole lot to it, but it's fun. Like this is just fun. Like this is kind of part of like it's that other side of funk that kind of Prince introduced me to. Like it's music where it's more about creating a feeling and a vibe. Yes. It's not always about a lyric, which is really cool. 
So yeah, and again, I, it's like you know the thing that was interesting about the time singles is that they always really were short. You know the edits that they made for radio, but a lot of times it's like you know R and B stations would play like the full length album versions, and the walk was like no exception because I mean this song is literally like close to ten minutes in duration. It's like I think it's nine and a half minutes long. Yeah. It's like and of course the other thing is like that. I love about this track, of course, is like is the the dialogue between him and Vanity. <laughs> this oh yeah, track, you know where he's basically like <laughs> trying to you know, get her to abandon, uh, you know, wearing a camisole, it's like and putting on a pair of baggy jeans, and it's like you know he's like telling us like that, uh, yeah, it's like uh, what was he was saying? Yeah, it's like about uh, he was trying to like you know she was wearing a tight pair of jeans, it's like and he gets yeah. to say, so why don't you just take them off? It's just a, what do you mean take them off? It's a come on, take them off. Oh. <laughs> I got something for you to wear. It's a it's like and it's just like, do you always keep lingerie in your glove compartment? So talk about said, none of my women wear gloves. And I'm putting this on. And she's like, but, said, but my ass. It's like, hey, we're playing on words. Uh, and I love when you got her jeans off, you just said, Mary, sweet mother, mother Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> it's just like, I told you. So, so damn, baby, how'd you get all that in them jeans? It's like, it wasn't easy. So it's like, I know that's right. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yes. Yeah. Morris won. And then I love at the end of that, uh, we're going to walk till the song's over. In other words, meet me at the bar in 32 measures. <laughs> I said, cool. So, so, and if you get, and of course, it's like he makes reference to another time song at, yeah. at the end. It's like, of course, the song, The Stick from the first yeah. off. So, and if you're good, you can work the stick in my ride. He's like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yep, just full on like the character in full effect there. Oh, like, it's just like it's just like like you said. It's like you just that's those are moments you live for because oh, like yeah. just just such a you know such a colorful and animated guy. Yeah, man. I, I sometimes wish like man they they could have given Morris his own movie and it would have been great. Yeah, because like I said, it's like, you know, literally like the single of The Walk is like is roughly maybe it's maybe less than three and a half minutes long. And of course, it's like, you know, they they chop a lot out of that. But, you know, yet, you know, radio played it really heavily, though. So cool. Yeah, th that's probably uh, I think that's I'm going to say that's my second favorite song on the album. It's just so fun. love it. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great track. It's one, that's still another one of my favorite time songs, too. All right, well, now we're going to slow things down a bit. Uh, probably the most accessible song on the album and the other single, um, Gigolos Get Lonely Too. I guess you've heard of my reputation. My share of fooling around But everybody needs stimulation And mine just happens to be overtown It's money occupation First class psychiatry But just once I want to make love Without taking off my clothes I just once I want to make love with somebody Who really and truly knows Contrary to rumor Jiggle loves Get lonely too 
this song for a lot of there's a lot of things I love about it. One is Morris's vocal delivery. It's very it's less the character, but it's very uh, vulnerable and genuine. And he's still in the character for this song because, you know, he can't help himself. You know, he, he's got to say he has a lot of money, but he acknowledges it's not making him happy. And it just sounds so beautiful. I love the music. I love the keys. Um, it's funny to hear the Prince demo of this, too, because it shows how closely Prince could mimic that character, too. Exactly. You know, it's like that, that, you know, you're absolutely right on all counts there. It's like that. Uh, and it was kind of a cool thing for him, you know, to kind of show another side of, you know, Morris's persona that, you know, he wasn't just like, you know, this cocky, you know, confident guy all the time. It's like, you know, it, it kind of went a long way. It's like to show, you know, kind of, you know, like, you know, kind of a bit of a, a vulnerable side. Definitely. Yeah. And got Jesse Johnson playing the guitar on this one. Um, uh, I wish you could hear. I at the, so, yeah. yeah, I wish you could hear that. I've always noticed at the end of the song, there's like it sounds like there's some talking going on, like right at the end. I, I'm never sure exactly what's being said, but it makes me wonder if there's a longer version of this song somewhere. I wouldn't doubt it. It's like you know, because a lot of the times it's like you know that, uh, you know that obviously it's like you know that there have been songs that Prince did. It's like you know that have you know shown up in much longer uh, form than what you know was actually released. Like particularly like with the Purple Rain album, how, you know, Computer Blue is like, is like more than twice its original length and yeah. Purple Rain too is like, is actually like about 13 or 14 minutes long, you know, before they cut it for time on the album. Yeah, they cut a whole verse. Yeah. Yeah, S such a cool song. And I'm kind of surprised, like, I feel like this could have been, I, I don't know, maybe maybe it wasn't quote-unquote mainstream enough, but this could have, like, I feel like broken the top 40 if it had been given the right push. Like, it's such a good song. Definitely, because it, it it's a track that definitely got plenty of, like, R&B radio play, too, at the time, so, yeah. you know, that, that was, you know, that was another kind of significant hit for them. Yeah, and this, I, I've seen more stay in the time live once, and this was, like, definitely, like, a high point of the show. Like, everybody kind of, like, started screaming really loud when this song started going, like, that boom, boom. Like the second that started, it was like everybody's like, "Oh yeah, yeah." So yeah, people, you know, like you know, people who definitely grew up with that, it's like knew knew what that was. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, like you, you hear that pulsing beat, and it's all over. <laughs> exactly. It's like, of course, it's like you know, Prince Prince on the Lynn is, uh, you know, is uh, you know, again, it's like you know, doing doing something with it. It's like it, you know, was not a, you know, not a common sound out of that out of that uh, drum machine. All right, well, we're bringing it up, bringing it all to a close now with a song called I Don't Want to Leave You. People say you run around. I don't even care. I can never hold you down. I don't even dare. Just want to play your game. No matter what the rules. like 
a very interesting song because it's not quite as straight up funky as the rest of the album. It's a little popier. It's still a fun R&B song, but it feels less like it more stayed you in the character and more of just Morris singing a straight up R&B song. It feels closer to a Prince song even. Um, I like this one a lot. I think Morris sounds great on it. Um, I love it, it. It goes a bit long, but I love how long it is. Um, and what's interesting is it wasn't a single, but it charted. It charted on the dance and disco chart at 42 just because DJs like to play it at clubs. Exactly. You know, Mifric, that was something too. It's like that was a uh, a common thing for Billboard magazine. It's like, you know, when uh, when uh, tracks, you know, from, you know, from a particular album, it's like we're getting, you know, play in clubs. That's uh, often more often than not, it's like Billboard's uh, on the dance chart. It's like, you know, that they would, you know, pick like the, three or four tracks it's like you know from that particular album it's like that uh whether they were issued as a single or not that we're getting you know that we're getting club you know play that you know that they would uh often you know like list a bunch of tracks or sometimes it's like you know that they would even uh cite the entire album as you know like as being on the dance chart as well definitely a solid closer and then i've heard that that little bit at the end where it kind of changes is supposed to be a bit of a remix to the song makeup which is interesting. I kind of wonder like, you know, where that information came from because it doesn't sound like that. It doesn't sound like the song makeup, but who knows? Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously it's like, you know, that, you know, he Prince was working on that project probably at the same time as that he did, uh, you know, he did the van 86 record. So I wouldn't be surprised like if they were probably created in the exact same time period. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Great song. Love this one. Uh, you got anything else to say on this one? No, again, it's like that is like cool, kind of a cool sleeper track on this album. It's like, and you know, if, uh, unless like you're like really familiar with the, you know, with the time and, and with this particular album, it might be one that you might miss. And yeah. but it definitely, it definitely does deserve, uh, you know, definitely deserves mention. Awesome. That brings us to the end of what time is it? Great, great album. Definitely. Uh, if you're going to start digging into the time, I actually recommend starting here over uh, Ice Cream Castles or the de debut. This is this will hook you in. This is the one. I agree. You know, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, Alex. I think that that really is kind of like their best album as, as a whole you know, and probably like the best, you know, kind of like kind of fully conceived project as far as like, you know, kind of the band's kind of image and persona. Too. Yeah. Uh, the next album, Ice Cream Castles, I think it's great. I think there's some fun stuff on there, but I don't know. It just doesn't feel like it has the same cohesiveness like there's some great tracks on there i love the title track jungle loves great obviously my drawers but i don't know something about it just doesn't quite hang together yeah because yeah, i mean because because basically it's like you know by the time that that album you know came about it's like you know that the actual band was actually kind of starting to come apart because obviously jimmy and terry were gone by then you know because they you know of course got you know infamously got fired by princess like you know during the triple threat tour because they were, you know, working with the SOS band and got stranded in between yep. tour stop. And that uh, also, you know, kind of Jesse Johnson also had kind of his eye on the door, too, because by that time he had been offered a, a solo record contract, you know, of course, which, he, you know, he signed with A&M Records, you know, like right before uh, Ice Cream Castles was released. Oh, wow. So, you know, after they filmed the movie and such, it's like, you know, he, you know, he had left the band, too. That's crazy. I didn't know he had signed to do that so early on. Wow. Yeah, because I mean, because Jeffy's album came out, I think, in like early 85. 
So it's like it was, you know, so he was definitely kind of at work on that project. And he had also had found uh, Tamara in the scene, which was like another band out of Minneapolis that he worked with and produced their uh, first album. Fun stuff. Love it. Um, those were the first two bands on the bill for the Triple Threat Tour. At the time, I actually pulled double duty there. Like I said, they backed up Vanity Six and then they played their own show, which I know they kind of had some... They had some gripes about like not getting paid that much more to play for Vanity. So. Yeah, exactly. Because from what I understand, it's like you know that Prince was you know definitely not uh, the most generous boss when it came to uh, you know to paying the musicians. It's like you know they were really kind of literally kind of just working for peanuts. So yeah. I think that that's definitely kind of one of the things. It's like that kind of uh, kind of uh, edged you know some people you know by you know going out and doing 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 side projects or eventually leaving. Because, you know, that they, you know, because Prince, you know, kind of ran a very kind of kind of tight ship and, you know, really kind of didn't want, you know, his musicians doing outside projects. And, you know, and this is like, you know, and of course, it's like, you know, they didn't have like the creative freedom in the studio that I'm sure that they would have liked. Yeah, I sometimes wonder, like, like, I'd love to hear these albums if there were their time machine and you could you could go back. Like, what would it sound like if you had the time? at the time play on these records like it probably sound really cool but i wonder like how different it would be well you know definitely probably really kind of the only thing that we have like to kind of you know kind of speculate what that would have been like is just you know you know seeing the various kind of live performances that were filmed yeah. and you know because they really you know because like i said they really could like rip it on stage oh yeah oh yeah that footage you whatever footage you can find from this era is great yeah i agree just like and i keep because because I, I think Prince was one of those people. It's like that you know I wouldn't surprise be surprised actually. It's like if, if probably like entire concerts from that tour probably exist like on on videotape or wherever. It's like that haven't made it out of the vault yet. Oh yeah, we could, we I, I would love to know what what's waiting in there for us. Um, I'd love to know what they're cooking up next too because I feel like and this can kind of be a fun note on I to end on. I feel like we haven't gotten anything. In the Prince estate in a hot minute. I feel like it's been a while since the last one, and the last one was the sign of the times. Um, yeah, now, yeah, of course, now that we're now like a couple of years past that project, so we're, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the next like archival project is like, you know, from the Prince camp will be. And like I said, hope, like you said too, and and I hope as well, yeah, that oh, uh, that well, some guess... of the some of the proteges is like, you know, see their projects see the light of day again. Yeah, for sure. Well, I guess I forgot about Welcome to America, but even that feels like it was a really long time ago already. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, crazy. Well, Jeff, it's been an absolute blast having you on here. Um, I know you run a blog called Behind the Grooves that I follow on Facebook, and it is incredibly informative, especially for a music nerd like me. I love reading your posts, and I love like learning all the stuff about songs I love or artists I love. So why don't you talk about Behind the Grooves a little bit before we wrap this up? Thank you very much. Actually, it's like, you know, it was just something that's like that I I started because, you know, I just really wanted to share my love of music for people. And, you know, that uh, this was kind of the best way that I could figure out actually to get it out there. Because I'm just thinking, it's like, okay, I'm kind of like walking around with all this, you know, stuff in my head. It's like, you know, how can I, you know, how can I express it in a way it's like, you know, that people will find interesting because, you know, because I find this, you know, stuff like endlessly, like that, you know, music is really, you know, is really a, a it's more than just a hobby for me. It really is like a, a passion and just, you know, being able to share it the way that I do. It's like, it's, you know, and to get, 
the kind of positive response that I have back, you know, is, is very gratifying. Awesome. Yeah, I, I know it exactly what you mean. Music is is a big part of my world, and I can tell you're just as passionate about it as I am. So, yeah, from from one nerd to another, I salute you. It's it's absolutely. I, I salute you back because it's like you know that it's just like you know I'm you know it's like you know it's like kind of like finding like members of your own tribe. So you know when you you know we share we share a common language in yep, that man. respect. Yeah, it's funny, and we share so many friends, yet we've never like been on one of these together before. It's insane. I know, it's like it's kind of, and I thank you again for asking me. I really appreciate it too. Yeah, and I, I again, and you made time for me, so thanks, man. So uh, thanks for being part of this year's uh, Prince Month. Um, this is going to go up soon. This will be the first of two episodes. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? Just again, thank you very much. It's like, and, you know, and, and thank you for giving, you know, thank you for giving me the time too. It's like, and it's really a pleasure to talk to you. Awesome. All right. Till next time. I'm the Sly Dog. Peace, love, rock and roll. That's right. Everybody walk
going home. I can't dance like that. Well, baby, that's because you got those jeans on too tight. Now let's just take them off. What do you mean, let's just take them off? Come on, take them off. I got something for you to wear. Here, put this on. <laughs> you always keep lingerie in your glove compartment. None of my women wear gloves. Now put this on. But... But my ass. Hey, play on words. But all the girls will stare at me. All the girls in this neighborhood already wear camisoles. I know, but... That's because it's cool. Now let's get them jeans off. Okay, but I'm warning you. Warning me about what? Zipper's tight. Here, why don't you lay down? Um, that's what I'm trying to tell you. Stop trying to tell me things and pull. But come on, pull. I'm warning you. Maris, sweet mother Jesus. I told you. Damn, baby. How'd you get all that in them jeans? It wasn't easy. No, that's right. Mm. Well, I think you'd be more comfortable in this. I'm sure I would. Uh, I don't know. Hurry up, Grace. Song's almost over. My name's not Grace. I know. Hurry up, Grace. Man, these are weird. I guess the tag goes in the back. Hurry up. Okay. Okay, how do I look? Almost as good as me. Now let's go. Hey, Maurice. What time is it? Who's the lovely lady? Introduce us. I'll introduce you to a headache if you don't get out of my face. Okay, baby, now check this out. We're gonna walk till the song's over. In other words, Meet me at the bar in 32 measures. Cool. Cool. And if you're good, I'll let you work the stick in my ride. For listening to the Sly Dog Music Cast. If you want to know what's going on, follow me on Twitter at Sly Dog Music Cast or Facebook at Sly Dog Music Cast. Thanks again for listening. Peace, love, and music.